Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. My son Thad pinch hit for Alex last week. Alex came down with strep throat and just wanted to let you know he's he's doing better. He was in the office this week and he is at the Diamond Bar campus today. This is our normal monthly switch up. So I'm here and it's good to be here. I'm going to wrap up the series that we've been doing called What's Best Today, uh, and we, we really do hope this series has been a help to you. Our goal in the series is to discover the way God looks at productivity, what, what he wants to be the result of our lives, the fruit, we could say, of our lives, and how to orient around his will and what's important to him. So each week we've been looking at scriptures that give us different facets of God's perspective on what's best to do with our lives. We've talked about overcoming villains of progress, finding purpose even in the chores of life, how loving others is most productive and fruitful, how God's grace, not self-effort, fuels productivity. Uh, And last week we looked at how character is the most important factor. You can have all the techniques and tools in the world. But you still have to make the hard choice to discipline yourself in the moment to get the stuff done. I've spent hours on beautiful plans, and then I get to the time when I got to do the thing I don't really want to do and wrestle with doing it. And so we talked about that last week. I'd like to show a video that we intended to show last week. There was a technical difficulty. The church community has a, a crucial role in shaping character. Things happen in church life that, that don't happen anywhere else. And there are things that you gain from it that you don't gain uh, anywhere else. So I'd like to show this video interview with Aaron San Juan, who was playing the guitar over here uh, just recently. And he's on the facilities team as well. He's going to share how stepping into our church community has been something God's used to really grow his character. So let's let's listen to him. Uh, hi, my name is Aaron San Juan, and uh, I've been attending CID for a little over a year now. I've also been serving uh, on the facilities team and the worship team for about a year. So I was going to a church in Ontario because I had worked in Ontario. And I got a new job in uh, South Pasadena. And so I was looking for something closer to where I was working. And I, I had met Joyce at my work, and we were talking about guitar, because I, I played guitar and she did, and she had said she played for the worship team, and they were looking for an electric guitarist. And I, I thought, hey, maybe this is, you know, something that God is calling me to, or, or something for me to look into. And, and I came, and uh, when I got to Church in the Valley, they they needed a lot of help on facilities as well, and I kind of got really plugged in. And it's a big change in environment. Whereas at work, you know, uh, where I found I have in the past found myself complaining and whatnot, and then to to volunteer and to and to do to serve in, in worship and in facilities where you're just around a group of people uh, with a with a different character, really, with a different set of values, and there's no complaining. One character trait that I, I really feel that I've grown in was uh, perseverance. I see a lot of perseverance and a lot of love and a lot of traits that uh, yeah, that, that really kind of stick with you when you spend time with these people. So 
seeing Ben and, and, and the band in, in, in the worship team, seeing them overcome obstacles and continue to, to practice every week to be there and, and through whatever they face, uh, kind of just seeing that character shine through, um, it had an effect on me as well as uh, an impression. Um, Serving for a year or over a year, it's kind of the more you, the more I've done it, it, it's helped me transition and and kind of bring that attitude and that character into other areas of my life, right? So for work example, um, so I work in IT, and every now and then, you know, deal with or I deal with people that aren't that might might have had a bad day, right? And then on top of that, their computer's broken, so you know, it's just uh, sometimes in IT, and I'm sure in a lot of other jobs as well, you can be uh, just uh, the scapegoat preventing and uh, but just having having you know carrying over those qualities uh, from church and from serving uh, just having love for people and uh, patience and self-control and it added to my productivity as well just uh, I could have spent a lot of time arguing and fighting with people and uh, let it go you know have some grace and uh, getting up early it's not, you know, every Sunday it takes some getting used to. And, uh, but, you know, when you get, when I, at least for me, when I got to know John and all the people and, 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 and for them to come to rely on us being there as well, you know, just to set up and, and have that church ready to go, it's kind of uh, some motivation for me. Anyway. I'm very grateful for the group God has brought together here at Church in the Valley. It's, it is encouraging to be a part of a group who's pulling toward the same things, trying to accomplish God's work. I'd like to wrap up the series today by, by bringing into focus what's more, most important to Christ followers, what, what Jesus says really that we should focus on. It's sort of like I want to bring it into focus, for instance, if you're taking engagement photos, you don't want to have the background in focus and then the, the couple's out of, you know, out of whack. Yeah, it just wouldn't be good. So you want, you want the couple to have good focus. And it sort of makes me think of a scene in a movie. You know, sometimes they'll have a scene in a movie and the background sort of gets blurry, but you focus on the main character who's making the statement. We're going to do that today. We're going to look at what's most important for Christ followers According to Jesus, each week of the series, what we've tried to do is add another piece of the picture so that we can focus on God's priorities for the day. So we're going to continue on with this today. Jesus continually challenged people to focus on what really matters because we tend to lose sight of what's most important as people, as the day starts rolling by, as we start living life, it's very easy to focus on the trivial things and not what really matters. Sometimes we, we just do what we've always done because we've always done it. And we don't give much thought to what we're supposed to do in terms of producing what really will count in the long term. And so that's why we've done this series. The backdrop verse, Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk. So rather than just living and not giving much thought to things, we want to be careful about how we're living and constantly asking the question, what's, what's best today? One group Jesus challenged a lot 
while he was living here on earth was the Pharisees. They were a hyper-religious group, and the typical Pharisee was extremely arrogant, you know, kind of repelling <laughs> to the to the, to the sense. They were so arrogant, so proud that they were a repellent to the people, the normal people around them. <laughs> the Pharisees, they were one of the religious groups in the first century who kept questioning Jesus because he, he didn't hang out with them. He didn't hang out with the acceptable religious people. He hang, hung out with everybody else. So they kept, they kept questioning him. What, what he did didn't, didn't really make sense to them. And so he, he kept having these very terse exchanges with them. I mean, very straightforward commentary on their attitudes and their practices and how it fit into what God really wants. I, I, I grew up in the church, and I remember learning from an, a young age that Pharisees were bad. <laughs> At least they, they had a very bad perspective on life. People would say, don't be a Pharisee. Come on, don't be a Pharisee. And, in fact, there's a kid's song. I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not fair, you see. <laughs> Is that awesome or what? We'd sing that. There's also another religious group called the Sadducees. I don't want to be a Sadducee because they're sad, you see. It's just a brilliant set of lyrics. But we don't want to be a Pharisee. Worse than being unfair, they were self-righteous snobs who looked down their noses at the people around them. They tended to major on minor things and minor on the major things. They made a big deal out of nothing. Things that really didn't matter to God. They added to God's law. There were 613 total laws in their Mishnah that they tried to to live that, that dealt with everything having to do with all the details of life. And since the things they added to the law weren't from God, Often they missed the point by a mile. They missed what was very important to God. However, I, I can relate to the Pharisees. I used to pick on them. When I was young, don't be a Pharisee. Oh, you know, they're bad people. Don't be like them. But I realized, you know, I can be like them. When I start to grow, when I start to feel good about myself, I, I struggle with looking down my nose at other people as well. So this... this passages that the exchanges that Jesus had with the Pharisees were for me as much as anybody else so since we can be like this, this is why we said it in church don't be a Pharisee what are you doing don't be that way don't be self-righteous snob so what you see over and over again is that Jesus challenged his followers to put first things first Here's one of these exchanges in Matthew 23, 23, and 24 that Jesus had with the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. This is one, one thing they would do. They made up a law that if you declared your inheritance or your savings as 
holy to God. You set it aside, and you didn't have to use it to take care of your parents who were aging and needed help. That, this is an example of what the Pharisees would do. So this is why Jesus is scathing in his remarks toward them. Because here they are. They're following their rules. They've made up some rules that make life very convenient for them. And they're ignoring justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done, okay? You should have tithed, meant dill, uh, dill and cumin. That's, those are spices. So they were so careful to even give a tenth of their spices to God. But they ignored justice, mercy, mercy and faithfulness. Jesus says, look, this is wrong. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Jesus' words here, excuse me, cut right to the heart of motive. Pharisees had no shortage of knowledge of law and commands and what God says, but they were trying to live out these laws of their own making. They were trying to excel in being good, but they were using their own measure, and Jesus called them on it. Don't do that. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be like that. So the issue is not a lack of information for them. Likely for many of us. The issue is not a lack of information, but it's an issue of focus. What are we going to focus on? What's most important? What are we going to choose to give our time to? They were focusing on the details, but missing God's priorities, the big things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. These matter to God. Details are important, as we've been talking about, but we can't get buried in the details so that we miss the gigantic priorities. Jesus uses the word neglect here in this passage, and it carries the idea of laying aside or leaving or dismissing So the Pharisees were likely thinking, I I don't really need to be faithful here because I've given all this stuff over here. My actions, my religious actions justify me. They were picking and choosing what they wanted to do to obey God. And so Jesus' warning is for them and for us. He says, don't overlook what matters to God due to your own preference or man-made principles. Don't miss that. What happens when we do this? We become blind and confused about what's best. Jesus calls them blind, blind guides, the type of person that would strain a gnat but swallow a camel. Here's a cartoon of this statement by Jesus. Guy's trying to eat his soup. He's got his strainer. He strains out a gnat, but he is trying to swallow a camel. Really, his goal is to eat the soup. (laughs) Is that a ridiculous picture or what? That's ridiculous. That was Jesus' point. It's ridiculous to tithe your spices and ignore justice or mercy or faithfulness. That is crazy. 
so we might want to go back to the passage on the screen <laughs> because that's so ridiculous. <laughs> but Jesus is doing this. This was a, a, a way of speaking to show how twisted up we can get when you determine what's best without God's help. This, this twists us up. We get all backwards. Some ways I can do this is allowing the urgent to determine my focus for the day. Uh, texts, other notifications that distract. You know, you, you got some, I've got to get this done. I've got to do it. i got to do it. Instead of focusing on that, I'm focusing on the trivial, not what's most important. I, I can choose my preferences as I relate to others, not what's helpful for them. That's not what's best. That's not what's loving. I can create my own rules of behavior to make it difficult for others to match up to them since they can't read my mind. So our native reflexes are opposite of what's best often. So there's a wrestling match between what God wants and what we want. When boiled down to the core, a fruitful life has two core principles of productivity. Number one, know what's most important. Number two, make sure you do it. Pretty, pretty simple. But those are the two core principles of productivity. Jesus taught this, this passage I'm going to read, this verse I'm going to read, in the middle of his most famous sermon. He's talking with people about money and worry and the cares of this world that capture our focus. And then he says, but seek first his kingdom, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's telling us to operate from the top priorities, the very highest. Some concerns shouldn't be the top priority in our lives, and they get all our attention. They, they, drag, they pull us away, like what we're going to eat. This is what in the passage before he's talking about. We run around looking for, you know, something to eat, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. But God knows about these. So focus on what really matters. Let God take care of those details. We, we focus on the next thing we just have to have. Shopping is a distraction, especially with the Internet. Amazon, you can get anything on Amazon. You know, your inbox gets full of online stores that have things to offer. And you can get, you go to your inbox, start answering email, and you're off wasting time. We could waste years worrying about what God can and will take care of. As we trust him, as we do, as we play our role in life with laser precision, Jesus gives his followers a different focus. He says the most important things are God's kingdom and God's righteousness. The word seek. In Matthew 633 means to focus your attention and hopes on God's interests. When we seek something this way, we give real focused attention We zoom in and focus on it, and the rest of the scene is blurred out. We're we're to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, two giant priorities. His kingdom is not a geographical territory. 
But it's God's reign in history in the lives of people who give their hearts to him. We keep this priority in mind as we live each day. Because wherever God's people are, he wants to use them to advance his kingdom. He's using their day to advance his rule in our own hearts. And he wants to use us to advance his rule to help it make sense to people to follow him and give more of their life, give their lives to him and give their lives to his lordship so that they can experience, come into his kingdom and experience the blessing and benefit of that as well. This, this, is, this is what he means by God's kingdom. This is what's best. If you're living your life at work or at school, in your family, in your neighborhood, you're living your life with an idea that I want God to show me how to let him rule more and more in the way that I relate to my family in the way that I handle my work, in the way that I do my schoolwork and relate to my classmates or my roommates or whoever it is. And I want to do it in a way that not only grows his reign in my own life, but also makes sense to other people to follow him as well. This this is what he means by this. So we put first things first. When we give our time, energy, and all of our resources to moving his kingdom forward. God's righteousness means to do what's right before him in every circumstance. You know, righteousness sounds like sort of an old school word. But it it just means that in this circumstance right here, I'm going to try to understand what's right before God and do it or say it. I'm going to have the attitude that would please him. As I approach this circumstance right here, he is our reference point. What we bring into focus in any scenario is what's right before God here. And as we do that, it's the best thing. And people are drawn to do the same thing as well as they watch God work in our lives and bring the blessing that he brings. We, we, want, we, we want to handle life, if, if we're setting our heart on God's kingdom and God's righteousness, we handle the flow of life the way he wants. We're the husband, father, son, or daughter, student, or worker, or church member that he wants day after day after day, and then we bear the fruit that, that honors him. Our life is really productive as we follow him. God's not playing a game of hide-and-seek with us. He, he wants us to know what's most important. So Jesus lays it out there. Here it is. God's kingdom and his righteousness are at the top of the list. Once you discover what's most important, we have to keep putting the first things first. We have to keep choosing to make the important things the first things we do. You and I can't do everything that comes along our way. All the opportunities flowing through the week, opportunities crop up. When we say yes to doing this on Tuesday night, we're saying no to doing something else. There is no way in a 24-hour day that you're going to get 36. So when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. So we need to do what this passage tells us is we need to do the heavy lifting first. Then handle the lighter stuff later on. 
We give the best part of our day to the things that should have the heavier weight. Because I don't, I don't know how much I could bench press right now. I don't think it's very much. Probably be embarrassing. I don't even care. But if I were to try to max out, I would want to warm up a little bit and max out early, not at the end of the workout. That's how our days work. We want to put the heavier things in first. The heavier stuff is time with God, time with family, time with church, family, uh, in groups, serving, work, making sure we get our work done to the best of our ability or our school assignments evangelism, helping others make sense of following Christ. These are the heavier things, the heavier stuff, the weightier stuff. Put this in your schedule first when you have the most energy doing your best with the best part of your day. The lighter stuff is recreation, entertainment, Facebook, traveling, dining out, sitcoms, new movies, pleasure reading, and on and on. We're going to get to that stuff, likely. But put the heavier stuff in. If we let the lighter stuff crowd out the weightier things in our day, then we don't do what's most important, and we live a lightweight life. The question of what's best right now is one that we have to ask constantly if you truly want to have productive life. It's a question that we, we must ask and answer all through the day because we're making many decisions. M-I-N-I and M-A-N-Y. Many decisions throughout the day. We've provided a refrigerator magnet for you uh, as a reminder. I don't know if you got one on the way in. If you didn't get one, you might want to hold your your hand up and we can get a magnet to you. But I'd like you, if you would, to take that out and look at it. Uh, we, we wanted you to have something that you could remember this series by. You'll see we've referenced the backdrop verse for the series. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, we hope this can be a helpful tool to remind you as you go through your day to keep asking that question. Maybe you could keep it posted in your office on a on a file cabinet or something. And while you're working, it could remind you to pray, God, would you help me to do what's best today? Would you help me to do my work with excellence? Would you help me focus on what's best as I make these many decisions throughout the day? Would you show me how to make the most impact here to do my best with it? Everybody has aspects of their job that just get stale and routine. This could remind you that the good God made you to do right now is there in front of you. It's the very thing that is on your list. It's a part of your job description. It's something that you need to do. You're not serving your boss ultimately. You're, You're serving God. And doing your job well honors him. Taking care of the details, it brings honor to him. Maybe there's someone at work who could use a word of encouragement. That's what's best right now. Hopefully this could remind you to do that. Pray and ask God, help me, God, to buy up the opportunities at work and bless my boss and coworkers. When you're spending time at home, maybe you put it on your fridge. I called it a refrigerator magnet. It could be a file cabinet magnet. It's just a magnet. It works on, on anything. <laughs> um, but, 
But when you're spending time at home, maybe it's on the fridge and it's there to remind you there's a strong pull when you get home from work or when you're spending time just to kick back and do what I want. This strong pull to focus on what I want to do, not necessarily what's best. Maybe you need a break, but the best thing could be to spend some time with a family member, connecting with them, finding out what's going on with them, having a conversation in which you could build them up or grant perspective that would help them. It's a judgment call. You may need a break. But what's the best thing right now as you, as you think it through? Best thing could be getting down on the floor and playing with your kids. Could be just wrestling with them at their level. Could be the most important thing right now. So you keep asking that, that question. Asking this question on a day off could be dangerous for your comfort level. <laughs> But extremely valuable. We definitely need rest and refreshment, but we don't want to miss out on an opportunity to grow or to develop or to love others or to please God in some way. Because the deepest refreshment comes as we're a refreshment to others. That's what you find in Scripture. If a sudden need arises in the family or with a friend, what you plan may not be best. You have to consider that. Hopefully this will help you remember that or what we've talked about in this series will help you with that. We answer the question, what's best today, all day long, week after week. And what we've talked about is as we rely on God to guide us day by day, as we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, as we ask him to show us, we're relying on him. We're, we're learning as we soak in the scripture, we're learning his perspective, his approach, the way he goes about life, the way that he wants us to do life. We're soaking this in, and then we're making choices one after the other of what's best to do right now. As we do that, day after day after day, we looked at the very first week, we looked at how you, if you want to have a good life, if you want to love life, stack up. A bunch of good days. You stack up good days by turning from evil and doing good over and over and over again. And as you walk with the Lord, he wants to fill you with the knowledge of his will and guide you in doing what pleases him. And that's best. So if we live for God day by day, the good days stack up and we have the best kind of life that God would want, the most productive life. If you would, please pull out the connection card that's in your program. And you may want to complete some things that are on there. I'm going to suggest some next steps. And as the worship team comes back on stage and the ushers prepare to receive the offering this morning, uh, you could finish completing information or mark one of these next steps. I have some suggestions. Um, the first one would be to memorize Matthew 6:33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And then the next, another step would be possibly keep asking the question, what's best today? Practice that this week. Get up, ask God to help you, ask it and answer it all through the day and keep asking that. And there, there may be something else that um, God brought to mind as we went through the message, as I walked through it this morning. Um, that God's brought to mind, you may want to put that down as well. I have three things I want to mention to you as we wrap up. Alex asked me to mention these. So I'm trying to be faithful 
to do what Alex asked me to do. Uh, we hope you can join us Thursday night for the Beyond the Balancing Act, Act workshop. What we're going to do in the workshop, I'm going to lead the workshop. What we're going to do is take a moment to step back and think through how do I apply the principles, the tools and the insight and things that we've learned here uh, on Sunday morning. So it'll be an opportunity to step back and think that through. Preview is coming up. Preview is the first step in our membership process. It's not a commitment to membership, but it is the first step to getting more information about a little bit of our history, our major focus, and how to get involved in church life. That's Sunday, February 28th. As Jeremy said, that's a big day. Uh, A lot of stuff going on, a lot of good stuff uh, from 11.45 to 1 is that day. And then next week, we're, we're starting a series called God and Politics, and a lot of people are of the opinion that, that religion and politics don't think, uh, don't mix. <laughs> but God is behind history, and he's leading things. So we're going to dig into the scriptures since it's an election year, and there are tons of promises that are being made and expectations being ramped up for the guy who's the next president. We're going to look at principles for Christ followers, our involvement in government, And our responsibility to steward the power we have in a democracy, the power of our vote and influence. So we're going to look at that beginning next week for four weeks before Easter. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word. We ask for your help as we set out this week to to follow you. I pray that you give us the strength to take the steps you've laid on our heart to take. That you might be honored and pleased that your kingdom might advance in our own hearts and lives and in the, the lives of those in our families, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our church life, in our schools. God, may you move forward to do your work and to accomplish your purpose. Father, we, we ask for your help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.